wanted to ask you guys, because I know some of you are still asleep, is uh, what is ACDC, Al Green, Errol Smith, B.B. King, The Beastie Boys, Run DMC, Michael Jackson, Tupac, Billie Holiday, Black Sabbath, Bon Jovi, N.W.A., Buddy Holly, Madonna, and Bob Marley have in common? Yeah, yeah, they're musicians, but they all have been inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And you might be saying, Ray, who cares, right? <laughs> but even with us as Christians, we have what's called the Hall of Faith. And when you go to Hebrews chapter 11, you guys can make your way um, towards that book. It's towards your right in the New Testament, chapter 11. We have what's known as the Hall of Faith. And there's all kinds of Hall of Fames from sports to, and I just found this out, that there's Bobblehead Hall of Fame. Did you guys know there's a Bobblehead Hall of Fame? Well, I didn't know that until recently because I work for UPS. And so the UPS driver in the brown uniform who goes around delivering packages, well, he was inducted into the Bobblehead Hall of Fame. Now, again, I didn't know that existed. I just saw that on uh, the UPS website. And so this is a place, a real place, that was opened in February in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and it holds over 1,500 bobbleheads from all the sports you can think of to pop culture and even the UPS guy. So UPS made it in there. Pretty crazy, right? And um, the same is for us, again, is that we have, um, God has given us uh, uh, people in the Bible, not perfect people. A lot of us sometimes feel that um, all these people that God used were perfect people. As you go through the Old Testament, and this is something the Lord has been ministering to me as I've been journeying through the Bible, is um, what is going to be your legacy? What is going to be our legacy? And as I was going through the Bible and reading all these different stories of these people that God used, and even just thinking about, I'm sure you heard on the news a few months ago, there was a rapper who was killed and murdered in front of his clothing store. That guy was the same age. We're, we're the same age. And just thinking, that could be me one day. I could be delivering packages and a bullet can come and hit me or I can, somebody can hit me and my truck and um, the route that I'm on, I'm up in the hills, I could fall off the cliff. I mean, so many different things um, can happen. And what will be our legacy? What will be your legacy? And the author right here in Hebrews, um, he's unknown. He's written, he's writing to Jewish believers. The date and place of the writing is around 64 AD, and it's six years before the destruction of the temple. Now, I just want to give you guys a little background before we jump in. The chapters, verses 1 through 10, uh, the writer covers some doctrinal issues. And then chapters 11 through 13, he covers practical application in the Christian walk. Sometimes we hear a lot of information, and it's like, okay, well, now how do we do it? Well, he lets us know. And um, we all have faith 
and something. And I know you guys have faith because I don't, I mean, I wasn't looking too much, but I know none of you checked your chair to see if the chair was going to hold you. You just normally, you just sat casually into your chair, right? You had faith that that chair was going to hold you. We have faith that um, when we pick up our phone, it's just going to work. We have faith in the vehicle that we drive, that the engineers did their part so that the vehicle works. Sometimes, I remember before, I used to think like, Lord, I hope this car starts. But for the most part, right, most of us just get our key. Now they don't even have a key. I think they have a fob. You push a button, and then your car turns on, right? We have faith in a lot of things. But a lot of people don't have faith in God. And God was just ministering to me, um, again, through the Old Testament, on these different people that he used and uh, some people believe or some people might say um, I have to see it to believe it have you guys heard that but it's such a false statement because we all believe that wind exists right but nobody's ever seen wind we see the effects of wind right we can see the leaves we can feel it we can um, um, see the destruction that it can do but we've never actually seen uh, when and so seeing isn't always um, believing and when we look at these people's life as we is everybody in Hebrews chapter 11 in verse 1 it says now faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen now, this isn't a definition of faith. This is a demonstration of faith. The definition of faith is a conviction of the truth of anything, um, a belief, a conviction between uh, God, between man and his relationship with God and divine things. That's the definition of faith. Right here, the Hebrew um, writer is just telling us what faith demonstrates. In verse 2, we see that faith gives us understanding. It says, For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. So now he's giving us um, understanding. Faith is giving us understanding on how the world was created now the word the word worlds right there can be translated universe it could be translated um time and we see in genesis 1 1 right what does it say in the beginning god created the heavens and earth the bible says that god spoke it into existence one guy said this the author of the epistle was two thousand years of head, ahead of his time because we now know that everything that exists materially is made of atoms and cannot be seen. And then he says, no soul, someone might argue, because now we have elect electron microscopes and can see all kinds of things previously that were invincible. The guy continues to say, yes, but when you break down the atom, you enter into an area of energy, which is not material at all. So guess what? The further you get into science, the more you realize everything is made out of that which cannot be.
be seen. And so I was hoping Sean would be here for first service so he could give me an amen because he's, he's a scientist. I call him a mad scientist. But um, he actually sent me something. He's reading a book by Norman Geisler that says it, the title of the book is, um, uh, I might be butchering it, but I believe it's, um, I don't have enough faith to be, to, to be an atheist. Yes, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist because when it boils down um, to the nitty-gritty when you're comparing their views is that they're also going by faith. Now, we're going to get intro- introduced to the hall of faith right here. In verse 4, it says, By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it, being dead, still speaks. So the author right now, what he's going to do is he's going to take us uh, chronologically um, through the Old Testament, and the only like uh, turnaround is when he gets to David and, and Samuel. He puts David before Samuel later on. But right here he uses Abel as an example of offering his offering to God. Now, when it came to Abel's faith, he was giving in faith, and his brother wasn't giving in faith. And that's recorded in Genesis 4, 1 through 15. And we see that it was his heart that God was looking at. If you remember, there was this, uh, Jesus was in the temple, and he was with his disciples. And if you remember, he's, um, he says, look at that, that widow over there and how she's giving. Look what she's giving. And they're like, well, what's the big deal? She's just giving like something that's less than a penny. And he was saying, Jesus says, yeah, but you know what? It's out of her heart that she's giving. She's giving everything that she has. All the other people they're giving, but they have some left over. And so God sees the heart and God was seeing Abel's heart. And that's what was the difference between him and his brother was that his heart was right. If you remember the story of Cain, it said that the Lord was saying, Um, Sin is knocking at your door, King. And so we see right here that Abel, this is his legacy. His legacy, and it says right here in verse, um, where was it? In verse 4, towards the end, and through it being dead still speaks. In other words, it's still being used today. In other words, he's still an example to us. In verse 5, it says, By faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Now, Enoch had such a close relationship with God that he did not taste death. The Bible says that there was a miracle that happened and God just took him. But notice what it said, that he pleased God. And I don't know about you, but I hope that I please God. I hope that one day I'm more of a, a, a I guess a blessing than than a burden or um, I hope that everything I do is is pleasing to him. But again, I know I'm not perfect. And when I read the stories of these people, They weren't perfect people at all. Now, in verse 6, it says, But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For 
He who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who dig- diligently seek him. And so if you want to please God, it's impossible without believing. You've got to believe in him. Some people say that if you can get over Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, that everything else will fall in its place, that God spoke everything into existence. Now we get into um, Noah. Now Noah was an interesting, um, an interesting guy. Again, he wasn't perfect. If you remember the story after um, the ark was built, what did he do? What did he do? He got drunk. He got loaded, right? <laughs> I guess that's one way. He, after working, you know, get drunk. So that's what he. That's what he did. Again, not a perfect, perfect guy. So Noah's faith. It says right here in verse um, 7. Did I skip verse 6? No. In verse 7 it says, By faith Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. So at this point in time in history, it hadn't had rained where Noah was. And so God spoke to Noah that he was going to judge the world because of the wickedness of the world. And he told him to build an ark. Not only did he tell him to build it, but he told him how to build it. And I believe there's a museum, I think it's in Kentucky, I believe, and um, you can actually go through the ark. And it's a huge ark because it was big. And um, it had to fit all the animals, right? Two of a kind. But by faith, he did this. And so you can only imagine God's calling this guy to do something. And maybe God's calling you to do something. And people around you are looking at you like, what in the world are you doing? Why are you doing that? And so you can imagine what he went through, but he just kept building away. And it said right here that because he was moved, um, he was being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear. He feared the Lord. He did it because he knew the Lord. And he said, if God's telling me to do it, I'm going to do it. And so that's an example that we get from Noah, from Enoch, from Abel. This author is telling um, his audience, which are Jewish believers, that these are examples for us. And for musicians, like we went over earlier in the beginning, those are examples for musicians. You know, They're there because there was something that stood out about them. And I'm not in any way... Um, telling you to go listen to them. It was just for an icebreaker. But, um, you know, Michael Jackson is in there because he's known for his music, but his dancing, right? He could walk on the moon. He's a moonwalker. (laughs) But we all have different gifts. We have all different callings. And what is going to be your legacy? What will you be known for when that time comes? You know, 
one guy said two things are guaranteed in America, taxes and death, right? We can't escape them. And one day, my time will come. Your time will come. And what are they going to say about us? And even right now, the Hall of Faith, people are still being, how do you say, inducted? Inducted into the Hall of Faith. And I hope that all our names one day uh, will be there and that um, we would just uh, remember each other for following the Lord and doing what the Lord called us to do, even when it didn't make sense, even when the culture was telling us different, even when family members were telling us different, we were holding on to the conviction that God was showing us, just like these people were doing. Now we get into um, Abraham. Abraham. Now, in the nursery, because that's where I'm primarily, I'm serving in the nursery you guys know that classic song, Father Abraham, right? He had what? And many sons did he. Yes. Right? It's a classic. My kids love it. So it says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go to the place which he would receive as an, as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. So God told him to get up and move and that he had another land for him. And what did he do? He said, forget that. I'm just going to chill here, right? No, he got up. He got up and he went. And, and it says right here, not knowing where he was going. You've heard Pastor Manny say that when you're reading the Bible, that the New Testament sheds light on the Old Testament. There's... Um, a commentary, the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible. You've heard him say that many times. And in the book of Hebrews, we're going to see that light getting shined on um, Abraham's life. So by faith, he dwelt in the land of the promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac, Jacob, and the heirs with him of the same promise. So we first saw that um, we saw faith that's demonstrated. Then we saw faith gives us understanding. We got introduced to the hall of faith. And now we're seeing uh, Abraham. He's known as a man of faith. His first step was to leave his father's house and journey to a new land. And notice that Abraham liked to camp. Anybody like camping? He stood in tents. He didn't build where he was. He stood in tents. Um, I'm going to go camping soon, I hope, Lord willing. And I can't wait. I'm pretty excited. My family's excited. And just think, you know, when you go camping, you're out of your, your comfort zone, right? See, I'm used to going, my wife calls it glamping. That's what she, she says. I go glamping. I've been glamping. And so my idea of, of camping, have you guys ever heard of Campland? It's in San Diego. It's right across from um, SeaWorld. They have an arcade there. They have restrooms there. There's a, a, a campsite that has a jacuzzi and a laundromat on it. So when I told my wife about this place, she said, that's not camping. I, she's all, I want to dig a hole on the floor and use a restroom. And I'm like, what? 
Man, girl, you're crazy. But that, that's her, that's camping. And Abraham, I mean, this, this is what he was doing pretty much. He wasn't getting comfortable where God was calling him. He didn't even know where he was going. And maybe today you're finding yourself in the same, um, same situation as Abraham. You don't even know where you're, you're going. You just know that God called you. Be encouraged. Be encouraged by Abraham who didn't know where he was going. He was just obeying what God told him to do. It says, um, For he waited for the city which was founded, which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. So he knew wherever he was going, it was God who was putting it together. It was God who was leading the way. Now, if you guys remember um, Sarah, his wife, she even, they, he got a promise, that Abraham got a promise that his seed, there would be many, as we were reflecting on that song from the nursery, many children. And so it took some time, and Sarah's already 90 years old, and about 90 years old, and um, Abraham's probably over 100 years old. And it's told to Sarah that she would have a baby at 90 years old. Is anybody 90 years old in here? Anybody? Anybody close to 90? Now imagine someone tells you you're going to get pregnant, right? Or you're going to have a baby. You'd kind of be like, I don't know if that's right. You know, I'm not sure if I could get pregnant. And Sarah, the same thing, she laughed. Just like we're laughing right now, she also laughed. And that's why she named her son Isaac, because that's what his name means. But it says in verse 11, by faith. So notice again, by faith. If you notice each verse 4, it says by faith. Verse 5, by faith. Verse 7, by faith. Verse 8, by faith. Verse 9, by faith. And now verse 11. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength, conceived seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. She was holding on to the promises of God. And maybe God right here has promised you something. Hold on to his word. I think of so many verses of promises. You know, the classic verse, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. Who knows it? Somebody say it. All right. It was a little offbeat, but right. I know the plans that I have for you. If you guys ever been to um, In-N-Out, you like In-N-Out? I love In-N-Out. My wife says um, I eat it too much. But under their shake, each cup and each burger has Bible verses, but under their shake, I believe it's Proverbs 3, 5. Who knows that one? It's another promise. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, He would direct your path, right? And so, these are different promises that we can hold on to. These are different promises. And maybe God's promised you, and, and only you know, hold on. 
Hold on to his word. Hold on to those promises. Just like these people that we're reading in the hall of faith, they held on to God's word, even though they didn't know where they were going and even though they couldn't see the outcome. Now, in verse 12, it says, Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead. So, in other words, he's old, right? So, as good as dead. Were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the, as the sand which is in the seashore. And we see it today. We have a meeting, I believe, after second to go to Israel. And we can still see the people, the promise that God gave to Abraham. So now in verses 13 through 16, we're going to see that faith saves. It says, These all died in faith, not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. So in other words, they were just passing through. They didn't get comfortable on where they lived. In verse 14, it says, For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. So in their mind, they already knew, I'm just going to keep going forward. I'm pressing on. But now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. They were heavenly minded. They were thinking of being with the Lord. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. So it says that they, the, these people from the hall of faith, they all died without receiving the promise of the Savior and the eternal kingdom. But their faith, God saved them. They saw the promise and held on to them. And notice right here it says that God wasn't ashamed of them. There's so many times in my life that I've been ashamed of things that I've done. And maybe you can relate. I've done some dumb things in my life. And I'm pretty sure you guys have done some dumber things, right? <laughs> but we've all made bad mistakes. We all have. And I'm pretty sure there was maybe a time where um, I was a bad witness and it brought shame, you know. But thank God for his grace. Thank God for his love. And thank God for these people that we read about. And I hope one day that, you know, like it says right here, but now they desire a better that is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. I hope one day that, that that can be me, that can be us. That would be our legacy, that God wasn't ashamed of us. So the Old Testament saints, they could have returned to their lands, but in their hearts... Um, they could have turned to their lands and their hearts, but they didn't. They believed that God had a better place for them, and they were content to be strangers and pilgrims on earth. Now, I was talking about camping and being comfortable. We like to be comfortable, right? 
we like the car to be 70 degrees. Is that comfortable for everybody, 70 degrees? No? What's comfortable? 68. Oh, man, it's cold. Right? We like to be warm. Sometimes I don't like working in the rain because it's uncomfortable. I have to deliver these packages, and they're getting all soggy and wet, and I have to leave them on somebody's doorstep, and it could be uncomfortable. But God sometimes isn't going to call us to be comfortable. It goes against our human nature. And for these people, they were just looking to the goal. They were looking and holding to the promises that God was promising them. In verse 17 through 22, we go back to Abraham. And this is where we're going to get some light um, some light on these on this situation right here it says by faith abraham when he was tested offered up isaac and he who had received the promise offered up his only begotten son of whom it was still said and isaac your seed shall be called concluding that god was able to raise him up even from the dead from which he also received him in a figurative sense. So if you remember the story, Isaac's born. Um, a lot of times we might think that Isaac's a young um, boy because of the Sunday school coloring page. But um, Isaac's probably, probably a little older, you know, than eight years old. Maybe in his 20s, possibly. And God tells Abraham, I want you to get your son. And I want you to offer him up as a sacrifice, a human sacrifice. Go to the Mount of Moriah and do this. And so they're on their way. They're going. Isaac's looking at his dad and he's saying, where's the, the sacrifice? And Abraham tells him, God, God will provide for himself a sacrifice. So he goes, and notice it says, your only begotten son, right? Was that Abraham's only begotten son? Who else was born? Ishmael, right? So it's emphasizing to, are you willing to lay down something that's precious to you, that's valuable to you for, for him, for Jesus. That's what he's telling Abraham. That's what he's telling us. Whatever you're holding close to you, are you willing to love me more than what is valuable to you or what you consider treasure? Again, this was the promise. This was the promise that God had given to Abraham, his son, Isaac, and now he's telling him to go and um, do this. He's testing him. And what did Abraham do? He said, forget that. I ain't going to go do that. He did it. He didn't understand, though. But right here we get some, some light shed on, on this. It says that concluding that God was able to raise him up. So he held on to the promise. It didn't make sense. Why are we going to go? Why are we going to do this? But I'm going to do it anyway. And if, if I offer him up, God must 
raise him up again because he promised me that Isaac needs to have kids, that his lineage would continue. And so he did it by faith. It doesn't make sense for, for us, right? But now that we're getting the full story, we see that God's calling us to love him more than everything or anything. And a child, somebody, I mean, most of us love our kids, right? Sometimes they get on our nerves, sometimes. But you know what, this past week, oh man, it was a challenging week for me. I was on vacation, like I took time off from work. And I felt like I was, I, I told my wife, I get more rest when I'm working than when I'm here. <laughs> Do you guys know what a pressure cooker is? Well, my wife got one. And we've never used it before. And um, I like beans. Bean and cheese burritos. It's easy for my wife to cook. You know, she's doing so much at home. We had just came from the... Um, What's that place in Arcadia? The Arb uh, Arboretum. Yes. We came from there. We had a good time. We walked around, saw the peacocks and stuff, and just enjoying God's creation with my kids and my wife. And so she's like, you know what? I'm going to use the, the, the pressure cooker to make the beans in 40 minutes. And I was like, whoa, 40 minutes. Normally it takes like all day because we, you know, put them in a crock pot and she steams them. And um, my son, Nathan, is allergic to peanuts, tree nuts, and beans. His um, allergies set out of 25 years. My son's the second, his second patient that's allergic to beans. So the bean family is also part of the pea family, so he can't eat peas. So we've never used a pressure cooker before so my wife is making the beans and there's a valve on top of the pressure cooker and when she loosened it it shot up and so all the pressure shot in the air it all shot in the air my son's in his room playing video games you know that game Fortnite. he's all addicted to it pray for him man <laughs> seriously pray for him he is addicted. He gets mad and everything. So I got to give him breaks. But anyway, so he's playing this game, right? And it shoots out. And so my wife is like, um, because he was throwing his tantrum about Fortnite, she's over there like, Nathan, da, 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 you know, doing what moms do. And so I go on there and I'm like, what's going on? And then he starts um, choking. And then my wife starts telling him, what's wrong with you? You know, because she's thinking like he's just faking it. And then I'm like, it smells in here like really bad, like beans. It's not, I mean, the good smell, you know, like bean smell, but it was just a, a really strong smell. And then I thought, oh, he's allergic to beans. We have to, you know, we have to get him out of the house. So we're rushing him out of the house and he's like, Oh, my chest. And he, he breathed in the, the beans. 
And so I take him outside. My wife and I are arguing. Almost like a movie. I tell her, where'd you put the EpiPen? I don't know. So she finds the EpiPen. He's outside in the front yard and he's gasping for air. I put the EpiPen in his lane and he goes, oh, I could breathe. I take him to the hospital. They monitor guys ever been to the ER and they take forever? They didn't take forever. They rushed him in right away. Everybody in the ER, we gotta go, we gotta go, come on, come on. They start monitoring him. His body's shaking. It's in, it's in shock. I think I'm more freaked out than he is. He's saying, I I could breathe, Dad. I'm okay. So then, uh, I was there till about 10 o'clock. They, they discharged us. And he looked at me and said, Dad, thank you for saving me. I know one day there won't be nothing I can do. One day daddy won't be there. And he's going to have to walk by faith. I don't understand why he has an allergy like And I was thinking out loud because the following day, which was a Thursday, I think it was a Thursday. Yeah, it was a Thursday. At 10 o'clock at night, he comes to the room and his lip is swelled up. And so the doctor told us if, um, if anything happens like that, rush him to the emergency bring him back so we can monitor him so I, we brought him back my wife and I this time she went with us and um, I was thinking out loud you guys ever think out loud and I don't even know why but I'm sitting there and my wife's there and we're watching Ant-Man it's a funny movie and um I don't know, I just thought out loud and I just said, man, why, why, does he, why does he have to have this allergy? And Nathan looked at me and said, Dad, I'm okay with it because that's how God made me. And God was speaking through my son to me. 
that at eight years old, he understood and that he said, I'm okay with that. That's, what, that's how God made me. Maybe I needed that. Because when he told me, thank you for saving my life, I just knew one day I'm not going to be able to, or I won't be there. I mean, ultimately God, you know, spared him. So I can't imagine um, Abraham at this point, but he held on to God's word. It says right here that by faith, um, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning the blessings to come. By faith, Jacob, when he was, um, when he was dying, uh, blessed each one of the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning on top of the staff. So that was... Um, Manasseh and Ephraim. In verse 22, it says, By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. And Joseph had the faith that whenever you guys are gone, even take my bones with me, take my bones with you to the next land, wherever God. He just had this faith, these guys had faith but we for time's sake time went by so quick right now um, verses 23 through 29 we read about Moses and all these different stories of how God came through and gave them faith but right here in verse 31 um, I'm sorry and verse 35 it kind of turns it makes a turning and so all these people had victories there was victories but then there was other people who went through hard times and through their hard times it was their faith that sustained them. It says right here in verse um, 35, women received their dead, raised um, to life again. So there was healing, but sometimes there's not always the healing. And now he changes right here where it says, others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mocking and scourgings. Yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn too. Were tempted. Were slain with the sword. They were wandered about in sheepskin. There was trials. There was heavy trials. And sometimes there can be a misconception that if we follow God, everything's going to be perfect. Everything's going to be okay. Sometimes it is. But sometimes it isn't. Sometimes there are those challenging times. And God will give us the faith to sustain us through those trials. He will give us the faith like he did with these people to endure it. And you might not understand it. And some of you here have lost loved ones. You've been through some heavy trials. And you are an example of to my family and I, you are an example to the body of Christ on how God has sustained you. It says that through their weakness, they were made strong. 
Through your weakness, you are made strong. Through my son's peanut and bean allergy, through his weakness, God was making him strong, telling him, giving him that comfort that he was okay with it. And so remember how I told you I like In-N-Out? Well, my kids like In-N-Out too, because I like In-N-Out. So after we got discharged from the first visit of the ER at 10 o'clock, where do you think he wanted to go? In-N-Out. So he's happy that he's breathing. I'm, man, we dodged a bullet. I can't believe that just happened. He's like, Dad, can we go get a shake from In-N-Out? It's like, sure. It's 10 o'clock at night. We come right here across the street. We go to In-N-Out. We get a shake. You guys remember the verse under the In-N-Out shake? God was just ministering, ministering to me. What's going to be your legacy? What are they going to say about you? What do they say about you now? You know, we only have one life, and soon it will pass. And the only thing we do for Christ is going to last. Though those people in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I don't know where they are. Some are, you know, deceased. Some are alive. But that's what they're known for. I pray the ones that are alive would be saved. What will we be known for? And so I encourage you as you come in um, this morning... Maybe it was a rough morning getting here. Maybe it's been a rough week, rough year, rough month. Maybe the study was rough to stay up in. I don't know. But if God is speaking to you, I just want you to know that hold on to his promises. Hold on to everything he's given to you that lines up with the word. You know, sometimes some people say, if you believe hard enough, you'll have a Lamborghini. I mean, well, maybe that would happen, but I don't know. Maybe not. Would you still be okay with that? If you gave you, I don't want to say any other car, but if you gave you something different. (laughs) Hold on to his word. Hold on to his promises. And I hope that these people were an example and that you were encouraged you were uplifted and that through our weaknesses we would be made strong